Welcome to the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at vkcwest.com. We are um, in the second week of Advent. And so last week, what we started with is, is we were looking at about two characters that were around the birth of Jesus and what they experienced as Jesus was being born. Because just like us today, uh, interacting with Jesus, uh, we have real things going on in our lives. So sometimes we can read scripture and just think, uh, you know, we can almost depersonalize the people that have things going on and, and not recognize that uh, they, there's all these other stories and highs and lows that are happening in the midst of this. And so last week we looked at Elizabeth and Mary. Elizabeth was John the Baptist's mother, and uh, she uh, was it went into her senior years, and she was never able to have a child. Her husband was a priest. Uh, they were looked down upon. It was very difficult. But then all of a sudden a miracle happened, and she became pregnant uh, in an old age. Like we're talking, you know, 70s, 80s, that, those, that sort of age. And then Mary, her cousin, who was in her teens, uh, all of a sudden, uh, you know, God, uh, you know, she became pregnant by a miracle. Okay. Two miracles. But the story was, is that their, their plans got changed by God. Okay. And it was pretty good. Like they both were happy. There was lots of joy. And so for their story, you look at it and you say, I like that. My plans changed, but God did this miraculous thing. There's others in the story that we see in the birth of Jesus that, um, it, it, you know, there's plans changed, but, but it's, it's, it's harder. Like there's real stuff. And so I want to dive a little bit deeper today into like um, some of the harder things in our lives uh, that, that are there because uh, yes, the season is about joy, uh, but it's also uh, we have real things happening in our midst. And so uh, to put that out there, you know, you think of like burdens that we have or loss or loneliness and, and hurt. Um, to put this in perspective, uh, you know, people, people ask, you know, you know, well, is everything just easier with Jesus, right? I mean, that's kind of, and then people like me, it's almost kind of like that can come across that way sometimes, right? Like, hey, just give your life to Jesus and everything's perfect, you know? And, and that's just not the truth, right? Because we're in this world and, and things are messed up and things happen and all kinds of stuff. Um, but to, to illustrate kind of the thinking behind this, uh, Everybody know the La Fuente restaurant over here? Uh, it's pretty good. Pretty good food. It's over near uh, Panda and in Target over in that center over near the Speedway. So Michelle and I were driving, my wife, we were driving the other day and, and uh, we've eaten there before and, and it's La Fuente. And I said, she goes, well, what does La Fuente mean? I said, well, I don't know. So we, I said, hey, Siri, uh, what, what does Fuente mean in Spanish? And so Siri goes on my watch and my phone, Fuente in Spanish means Fuente, you know? And so, and she, she goes, she goes, no, no, you have to say, what does Fuente mean in English? Right. And so I'm like, okay. So, so we, so we, so we did that and we got the right answer. But what we do when we approach Jesus, like we can ask the question, like, what does burdens, loss and loneliness and hurt feel like when you know Jesus. Very similar to Siri. It feels like burdens, loss, 
loneliness and hurt. Because sometimes we can like make ourselves like we're these, these superheroes. Like, well, no, I know Jesus. And, and so I don't have to, you know, I can just wash away any hurt or loneliness or burdens or I, like, I can't show those. I can't feel those. And so I'm just supposed to be this, this emotional superhero, right? And some people may put that on you too, but in Jesus, rest assured, just like you, everyone else feels those things just like if you didn't know Jesus, but there is a difference. There is a difference because in the midst of it, Jesus takes you somewhere and you're going somewhere and you're becoming something versus just kind of there's no meaning behind it. And so there's an option. You, you very much are less um, prone to be defined by those things because you're able to create a, a healthy relationship to those things versus being defined by them. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, he said, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. He's talking about when he goes away and he's telling his disciples, and this is in the shadow of the cross. He's about to go to the cross and in everybody's opinion, he's about to be defeated. But in reality, he's about to say, watch what I do. And he says, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. And he's declaring it before he actually went to the cross and then rose from the grave. But he's saying like, this is what I'm going to do, guys. So we will have trials. We will have loss. We will have burdens. We will have hurts in Jesus. And we get him in the midst of it. And he's overcome the world. Because that's really what everybody's looking for. What can overcome the world and everything in it? So in the midst of that, let's first look at burdens. Let's look at the donkey. I was trying to come up with a name for him, but I'm like, Donald the donkey? No, then people would think of Donald the duck. So we're just calling him donkey, okay? Like, isn't that what they call in Shrek, the movie Shrek? Was he just called donkey? Donkey, right? Right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Donkey. So, all right. So that's what we're calling him, donkey. So let's read Luke chapter two, verse one. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman empire. This was the first census taken when Carianus was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him, in snu in him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. So this may be very familiar to you, this story, or it may be something that's newer to you. Either way, there's lots of different characters involved. You have Joseph who has worked through some issues. Uh, you know, he's, he's engaged uh, to, uh, to Mary and uh, it was within the, the, um, the year before they actually had their, their wedding, which was um, seen as you were married. Uh, they hadn't, gotten married and, and consummated the marriage and those things, but you were, you're married. That's what in that time. And Mary came to him and said, Hey, I got some news. You know, I, I I'm, I'm, I'm pregnant. 
And and, and it's from God. And so, so God has to intervene and speak to Joseph through a dream. And so now he sorted that out, right? It's like, okay, it is God. This is what God's doing. And, and so they're, they're wandering to this place. But I mean, they're pretty young. And, you know, it's a pretty hard thing. They're traveling. It's, it's inconvenient. Uh, it's about 70 miles from Nazareth to, to Bethlehem. And it would, take, it would take about four days, okay? Uh, a four-day road trip. You know, are we there yet? And, and, and the weather is coming against you and other people. And, um, you know, I, I mean, the things people would see, it was a small community. They would see, you know, Joseph and Mary. And, and you know, maybe some people would kind of speak softly under their breath and, oh, did you hear, you know, in the rumors that went around and, and, and that sort of thing. And, and then maybe others just threw, threw insults at them as they wandered there. But it was like having this super awkward thing and then going and being like with all of your family and answering all of the questions and all of the people that know you. And, and when you get there, there's, there's no room for you. You know, it was probably packed because everyone else was there for the census, but still there was no room for them. And so they, they did, they were given a spot, but, you know, there was probably animals around and, and you know, manure and, and all sorts of stuff, you know, out in this area. But uh, how did they get there? You know, Mary, you know, uh, nine months pregnant. You know, did she walk 70 miles? Maybe. Uh, but she probably was riding a donkey. See, donkeys, if you, if you Google, like do a word search on donkey, and, and it's all throughout uh, the Bible. And it's very interesting. And, and uh, you know, there's things like don't don't yoke an ox and a donkey together. Uh, you know, all sorts of different things in the Bible. And, and, and donkeys were ridden by kings at certain points. You see Jesus as an adult ride in as the, the promised Messiah into Jerusalem on a young donkey. And so they play a, a prominent role like within scripture and there's different ideas what you're supposed to do with them. You're not supposed to covet a donkey. It's one of the first things. Don't covet your neighbor's donkey. Okay, so there you go. Take that with you. So the very important part of every family. But, you know, the donkey, as he was going on, he carried different burdens at different times. Um, maybe it was a she, I don't know. We can, you know, we don't know. But, um, sorry, did I just see, sometimes I'll say things, I'm like, maybe there's something I don't know. Is there a difference between a female and a male donkey? Like, are they called different things? Anybody know? Okay, you guys don't know either. Good, just keep going. Okay, so, so, so the donkey, uh, you know, has carried different burdens. Sometimes they would carry crops. Sometimes they would carry tools. Um, sometimes they would carry people. But at this time, the donkey is carrying this burden. And the burden is a very pregnant uh, young woman and all of her stuff on this long journey. Uh, uphill and downhill and and, uh, you know, he's thinking to himself, man, people are talking about these people. Who am I with? I mean, should I be hanging out with these guys? You know, different things. And, and maybe those are two personal thoughts for a donkey, but there's real emotions. Like thinking to myself, like, why am I carrying this weight? What's the purpose? Where are we going? What are we doing? And if you have any burdens in your life or if you've had times where you've carried burdens in your life, those are the kind of things you think about. A burden is anything that, that you carry, okay? It's, it's, it's added weight to you. 
Anything you know that, that is pressed down upon you, the, the words for burden, there's several in scriptural, but it's 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 pressed down upon you where, where something is weight is on you. Same one of the words is actually used that 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 ultimately there's the weight of glory that is going to be upon us. So even though we have these burdens that weigh us down in this life, ultimately there'll be the, the glory of God, like the substance of God that will weigh down upon us. Doesn't that sound good? That the burdens of this life, the things we struggle with, the things that have been put upon us, the things that we've put upon ourselves, those would be gone and just the substance, the goodness of God would be upon us. So that's, that's where things are headed. But there's really uh, three types of burdens that we see in scripture. And there's, there's different nuances of these things, uh, but there's the personal burden. Uh, there's the burden that, uh, and it's basically this, is, is that you have a responsibility for your life. Like you are responsible for you. Uh, you have a certain responsibility to take the talents and the gifts and the health and the, the stature and the things that you've been given and to do something with that. Uh, you can read the parable of the talents. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus talked about uh, a ruler giving different, uh, different talents to these people, and, and some did something with it, and some didn't. But he comes back, and he's like, what did you do with what I gave you? And so there's this burden that we all have upon our lives, and I think much of unhealth in our lives or us not being able to move forward relationally or emotionally or socially is when we don't own this burden, which is, I'm going to own me. I'm going to own my life. I'm going to take care of my life. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. You see, if, if our battles in life are, are just all about... Uh, me growing up before I grow old. And those are the biggest battles that I fight in life or those are the biggest burdens that I go after in life. Then, then how do I ever give to anybody else? How do I ever accomplish anything that I'm really meant to accomplish if I'm just always wrestling with the basics? That's why Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to wear or what you're going to eat or what you're going to have. Like God knows that you need those things and he provides those things already. But sometimes we get stuck in these basic things of life. And so the word uh, that is used for this personal bur burden is, uh, uh, it means conduct or burden. Galatians 6 verse 5, it says, for we are each responsible for our own conduct or our own burden. And it means like a backpack. So it's like normal weight. It's, it's normal weight that's upon us. And so God says to us all, he says, he says, you have a certain responsibility for your life. You'll see it later on in the New Testament and other places. It says, look, you know, you're supposed to work. Sorry, people. Work is not a part of the fall. Work was created before the fall. God said what? Here's the man and the woman. He put them in the middle of the garden. And what he asked them to do? Tend the garden. Work. Work is a part of life and creation. It's there. And so God says, you're supposed to work. You're supposed to do these things. You're supposed to, you know, grow in these things. But so it's like a backpack. It's normal weight. And the word is fartion. And uh, it's conduct or burden. It's, it's what we're all supposed to have. And you might say to me, though, you say, well, Cody, that's great and everything. But I've had some things happen. Or some things have happened to me. Or I've done some stupid things. Yeah, me too. 
And that's where the, the next burden comes in, where there's a heavy burden. And it's really placed on by ourselves or events or other people, where there's heavy burdens paced, placed upon us. And Galatians 6.2 says, share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. And so the word here is like you're pressed down, like you're going down. It, it's, it's, like, it's like there's a weight tied to you and you're in the lake or in the ocean or the pool and there's no other way to go but down. It's that kind of weight. And the hard thing is, is this heavy weight comes and forces itself into our everyday life burden. And you say, well, Cody, that's great. I will take responsibility for my life, but I've got this happen, this happen, this happen. And, and that's the challenge. The challenge is, is that things don't work out the way we thought they would. The challenge is, is that we do stuff that hurts ourselves and hurts others. But the answer here is, is that we're supposed to share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Obey the law of Christ, that's kind of like, whoa, what is that? But it's saying like, look, if you hop into other people's burdens, you'll be right in the midst of what God's doing. Because when you have a burden, when you have this heavy weight, when you have this thing pressing down on you, the answer is like, where's God? What's he doing? Is God helping me? Has God left me? Is he helping others? Is he late? What's going on? Is God going to help me? And so he's right there, but guess how he does it? He does it through people. And when I first met Jesus, uh, when I was 15, I, I would have these moments where I would kind of get to a place or, you know, date a girl and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're going to be together forever. And that didn't work out or, or I'd want a job or I, I wouldn't get a promotion or different things or different, you know, or I, things wouldn't work out at school or something. And I'm just like, ah, you know, and I, and I just kind of come to the end of myself and I'd sit there and I have these moments all throughout the world, different places I've gone where I've just been sitting there, just me and God. I'm like, God, all I need is you just give me, you know, which is absolutely true. Right. But then what do I do when I'm from that moment? I go back and I figure out who my tribe is, who my people are. Because we all need other people. And so there's this burden that's so heavy. There's the normal burden, but then there's this burden that's so heavy. And we are supposed to carry that for each other. You say, what if somebody did something really stupid? They got themselves in a really bad spot. Even better, right? Even better. I saw this, um, this quote recently. It said, it said uh, be the person your younger self needed. You know, isn't that good? And so what I mean by that is like you can look around and, and, and if you see somebody that's gotten themselves in a really bad spot because of poor decisions or sin or, you know, all sorts of things, right? If you see that and, and you're sitting there like, why would they do that? And they're hurting themselves and they're hurting others. Guess what? Ding, 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 ding. You hire a janitor that hates dirt. In other words, it's your job if you see what needs to be done. That's when we're supposed to carry the burdens of other people. And the hard thing is, is that because of media, social and, and other TV and media, we know all the things that are going on in the world, right? I mean, you'll get, uh, you'll get a news feed. If there's not anything else more important going on or interesting, you'll get something about um, 
you know, horrible things, you know, on the other side of the world that aren't huge events. They're huge for a family, but you this happened here. Why? Because it keeps you going back. And it's just like, man, what, what burdens do I bear? The ones near you. Sometimes you'll, you'll help things that are far, but imagine if just everybody just cared for the burdens that were around them. You know, and, and, and the other thing you say, yeah, but they don't want help. You know, the person doesn't want help. And, and I didn't know that. I'm probably one of the hardest people, or I was, I was, I'm sorry. I'm probably one of the hardest people to love, was. You know, I've told the story of I had a football coach, uh, just big, huge guy, uh, played uh, professional football. And, um, and I just, a lot of people in my teens, they just look at me and they say, man, you need a hug. Or, you know, like, what's, like, what's wrong? Why don't you smile? Or, cause I had this burden. I had this burden because what I did is that I stuffed it. And so I just said, well, I'm just going to do it because I don't want to be a burden to anybody, you know, and, and family stuff, right? Well, my family, my parents and stuff, they're going through a hard enough time. I don't want to put more burden on them. And so I'm carrying all of this stuff. Like you, you can look at my school pictures and it's like, you know, from up until this age till about 10, smile, you know, yeah, you know, and, and then right, right around the time, you know, um, things went bad with my family and parents divorce and things. Now all of a sudden you've seen this just straight, you know, you get, like, I look at some of the pictures like, man, I remember that pain, but I wouldn't ask anybody for help. I wouldn't let anybody carry that burden. And so I, when I met Jesus at 15, all of a sudden I met these crazy Christians. They want to hug all the time and hold hands and pray and ask me how I'm doing and pray for me and, and feed me. And, and I'm, you know, they started warming up things and they're like, hey, come over and we'll feed you. Okay, great. You know? But they started loving me and all of a sudden I, I realized you know, that, wow. Like when we ask for prayer, like you know, so we say, hey, does anybody need prayer? I mean, I realize that takes a lot of courage, but that's what we're saying. Hey, what are your burdens? This is the place. The church is a hospital. This is where we get healed up. And so this is where it happens. And I will tell you that where I've been healed up of my stuff and continue to is amongst the people of God. And so the third, the third burden is, uh, is the burden given to God our cares and anxieties and our stuff. And so 1 Peter 5, 7 says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. That's another way to put Jesus loves you, right? It's one of the first things I heard about Jesus. Jesus loves you. Problem is I didn't really know what love was. You know, I didn't really like that was kind of a odd thing for me. But if somebody told me, Jesus cares about you, I'm like, okay, now you're getting somewhere. Jesus cares about you. So rhetorically, what are your burdens? What's pressing down on you? What are the burdens you see around you that are pressing down on other people? And, it, and it's hard. Sometimes you want to get it like <clears throat> in line and you say, well, I've got heavy burdens on me. And so I need to take care of those before I help others. It <clears throat> doesn't work that way. You're never going to like be at that place where you arrive that you've got it all together for that. Some point you've got to jump in the ring. 
And a lot of times you'll be healed up and your burden will get healed up when you help other people with their burden. And, you know, a picture of this is we used to go backpacking uh, when I was a youth pastor. Every summer we'd take a group of students through Yosemite National Park. And which if if you've never visited there, if you're from the Midwest, you've never been, you have to go there. You just have to go there. Um, it's, it's just, a, uh, you know, they call places like thin places where it seems like the, the distance between earth and heaven is thin. It's one of those places. So we would take students, uh, through their high school students. And, uh, sometimes we'd take 12 or a dozen or so. And I think the largest trip we did, I think we took like 40 students and we had to get on different trails and meet up different places and things. But uh, there was always a, a ritual that we would do, and it was important, but it was also kind of for bragging rights and things. Is we, you know, as we got ready to go out on the trail, we would, uh, uh, you know, uh, we'd have a scale and we'd weigh the packs because we camp out in the valley there before we went out into the high country, and and so we weigh the packs. Okay, well, and, and we we knew we, typically most people we wanted the packs, you know, fifty pounds or under, and depending on their strength and that sort of thing. And so, because uh, we would all carry food, we would all, we would all, there's stoves that would need to be carried, all these different things to be carried. And it's such a great picture of a people that, that we all carry weight. But what would happen is we got on the trail, sometimes within the first hour or two, is blisters would start, um, uh, dehydration would start if the person didn't do what we talked about being hydrated or, or they're just uncomfortable or, or all sorts of other things. And all of a sudden, the burden starts to shift, you know? And so everybody knows what their pack was and okay, let's, okay, we're going to take the weight. And, and if they were really bad, we would just take everything out, but we'd still have them carry the pack. Remember you're in charge of your own conduct. You still have a responsibility to take part in this thing. And so, um, you know, the weight would be distributed in different places. We'd carry the weight and it would be one of the ways that the walls would be broken down amongst the group. Because high school students that maybe didn't talk to each other, they thought somebody else was lame or they didn't like them or whatever. Now, all of a sudden, what is happening is that person's carrying some of your weight. All of a sudden, I look at them differently because they're carrying something for me. And then the person carrying it for them looks at them differently because they now have something to take part in and do. And so burdens, burdens, what are you doing with yours? It's okay to have them. What are you doing to help those around you? The next thing that we see is we see, we see Anna and uh, Luke chapter two, verse 36 through 38. uh, It says, Anna was a prophet. Uh, uh, She was also there in the temple because it was talking about Simeon in the verses before. It was a prophet and and Jesus is being brought in by his, the parents at this point, because it's probably within the first uh, couple of weeks of him being born uh, or months. Uh, in uh, depending, but he, they, they were trying to stick to the way you did things. And so, uh, this is around the time of circumcision and presenting him to the Lord and these things. So it could have been very soon, uh, because they typically tried to do that, um, you know, within the first couple of weeks. So it says she was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84, and she never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. So Anna, it says she was a prophet. 
what do we know about her? She was a worshiper and she was a person of prayer. Her name means giver. Okay, there's substance and meaning to that. Uh, she was a widow after seven years of marriage. And so uh, we assume that she married in her, maybe in her teens, um, you know, uh, maybe early 20s, uh, maybe earlier. And so um, she's probably in her 80s now. Maybe uh, I think some versions even say she was like 84. Um, she was a bringer of the good news of Jesus to others. We see that, that when she heard about Jesus, she brought it to others. Uh, but most importantly, she was able to see Jesus in the midst of loss, loneliness, and hurts. Like her deal in the midst of the tragedy and what she went through is she just leaned into Jesus. And you, some, it says she never left the temple. She just did that. And you may look at that and say, well, that's kind of silly. What about the rest of life? Well, there's a principle here. You, you know, like you always can get what you want. For some reason, that's the way God created things. Like if you go hard, at, hard after what you want, like if you say, well, I want to be rich, you can get rich. It's actually not hard. It's gotten the same way that anything else is. If you make yourself about getting rich, you can get rich. But what's your definition of rich? And then once you have it, it'll have you. But it also may mean that riches doesn't mean that you actually have riches. Some people, they make their whole life about being rich and what they end up with is they end up with poverty because they made riches their whole thing and they end up on the other side. And so you always will get what you go after. And so what Anna said is she said, my life has been ripped from me. My love, my husband has died. I'm young. Uh, it doesn't say she has children. I assume she doesn't have children. And it's just, She's there and she just says, I'm going to go hard after God. And there was other aspects of her. I'm sure she had a sense of humor. I'm sure maybe she was a great sewer and she sewed things and maybe she was a great cook and, and maybe she laughed and maybe she loved to take hikes up on the mountains near, near Jerusalem. We don't know. Maybe, maybe she, uh, you know, maybe she told great stories. There's all these other layers of her. But what's most important that we learn about her is that when she had tragedy and loss and hurt and pain, she went all out after God. And in the midst of that, she was able to recognize God's salvation when he came. And so an important question, what or who have you lost? What or who have you lost? The last couple of years, we have lost more than ever. Studies are showing, as I talk to health professionals and look at statistics and different things, that you know, the, the greater crisis, the greater pandemic is, is the mental health pandemic that's happening in the midst of this um, virus pandemic. Because there's so much loss and things have changed so much. Even the greatest person that says, this doesn't bother me, well, there's such loss. There's such loss by all of us. And, and um, you know, we've lost people. We've lost uh, experiences. We've, uh, we, we've lost freedoms. We, you know, there's just so much that we've lost. And so now there's great anxiety and fear rampant in people. And, and, and somehow people are not 
learning how to create a relationship to what's going on and the anxiety overtakes them. And I think that part of the problem of that or the root of that is that our inability to grieve. That when there's loss or hurt or loneliness, that we don't go through a process of grieving. Uh, that we would be like the teenage version of me that, that I just stuff it and just keep going on and just keep just building. I, I just, I'm just going to keep going. I'm not going to have this experience. And, and actually for me, it wasn't really the teenage version of me that did that. It was all the way until um, <clears throat> I was almost 40 years old version of me. Anytime there was loss or hurt or loneliness or those things, I just keep going. And I recognize it and it hurt and those things, but I just stuffed it and I said, well, just keep going. Just, you know, just keep going. And then uh, in May of 2012, uh, there's a mentor and a friend uh, that, that died. And, uh, you know, he's 25, 23 plus years older than me, but, um, you know, a great friend, great mentor. He was pastor. And uh, he, he died. He had, you know, heart failure. Um, he, he was, he was a, in the 60s and s- early 70s. He was a, a strength coach for the, for the Buffalo Bills with O.J. Simpson. And, and so in one of the top strongest men in the world and was in the Marines and all kinds of stuff. And, but with that, did a lot of steroids and drugs. And so that caught up with him later on, you know. And, but so he, he died and, and I was in the midst of planning a church in central California, a vineyard church in Morro Bay and our family was all in and, and it was going well. And, and I was, so I was, I was bivocational. I had a full-time job working outside the church, full-time job at the church and just, just life is crazy. I've got young kids. And, and so, so bear passes away. And, and, and I say to myself, well, I'll miss him. I love him. I'm thankful for him, but I'm not going to go back to San Diego for the funeral. Because what's the point? He's not there, right? So just keep going. And then, you know, as I walked through that, like the Lord just grabbed hold of me and said, no, you need to learn how to grieve. And so I'm just like, so that's what we're doing now. Okay is I'm going to learn how to grieve. And so, so I walked through the process and, and, and it was so important to, to go and, and to do that and to go and be there with his family and go and be there with the other people and to, to cry and think through and share memories. And, and it, so it was an experience. And, and, but you just don't grieve and then you're done. But what it did is it taught me to feel instead of just continue on. And l- listen, that's the greatest part of this thing is that we're not recognizing our loss in our lives. Many of the mental health issues or things that we struggle with or uh, behavior, things that we end up doing, whether self-medicating or, or different things to take care of ourselves, whether food or substance or those things or, or relationally or outbursts or anger, or the things that we come out, all the symptoms that we think are really the problem. I think a big part of it is that we don't grieve. Like a few months ago, we were at a pastor's thing up in Ames, Iowa, and they had a, a professor there from the college 
uh, Iowa State, and she shared uh, that's her specialty is about grieving, and she taught some stuff of things. And what, at one point, it was just like walking through this process of like writing down what you've lost, just like during the pandemic, and what you've gone through and stuff. And I'm just like, and it was overwhelming. I didn't do it. I thought about it. Like, nah, I can't do that right now. You know, just that period of time. And so you think about the things that you've lost in your life that just in the recent time or recently or those things. And so somehow you guys, I don't know, I wish it were different. I wish we could kind of just say, well, that stinks. And just kind of like, you know, keep going. And in some ways you have to have that. Don't get me wrong. Because you, you do have to, you ha- do have to be in charge of your own conduct, your own life. But I will tell you that if you lose something, if it's something that hurts you, if it's a person, if it's something important, if it's something that's that is in life that you are attached to and you put yourself into, we must grieve. We must grieve and walk through that. See, on this day, Nikki and I were were strategizing and and we're like, hey, what if we we were going to do a blue Christmas service like tonight? on this day. Like we were going to, um, so have a time where like, this is a hard time for people in the holidays. You were going to walk through having a time of reflection and walking through loss and walking through grieving and walking through those things. And, and, um, so we may do that in, in the future, but it just, you know, life overtook and busy and so many other things. So I'm kind of bringing it a little bit here. And I understand this is broccoli, right? Like you're like, you're like, yeah, I don't really need this, Cody. Yeah, it sure is good for you though, isn't it? It's good for you. So my challenge to you is to um, walk through these things of burdens and loss and loneliness and hurts. Here's how. With burdens, pray that God would give you direction about your burden. So in other words, for some of us today, it's like, hey, own your stuff. You're in charge of your life. Like you're, God's given you this life. Manage it. Own it. Do what you need to do. And if you need help, because you, you feel like you can't do that, then you, you ask for help. You're like, well, who do I ask? Ask me. That's what, that's what we do here. That's what we do as a church is we, we carry burdens. You know, it's, it's funny. Some people say, uh, they say, well, what do you do all week? Like, well, what do you do the rest of the time? Like, what do you do? What do you do? It's funny. One, one kid recently uh, told my, my son, he, he showed up to work out. It's just like the, the interactions or people think that if they're not familiar with pastors or church, this, this, uh, this one guy, he's a great kid. And um, uh, my son showed up to work out and he had holes in his shorts. And he goes, hey, man, how can you have holes in your shorts? And, uh, uh, and he goes, he goes, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, just workout shorts. He goes, right. But I mean, you can get any shorts you want. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, well, like your dad owns a church, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, and he goes, that's not really how it works. You know, uh, Jesus owns the church and I, I work for the church. But if you want to know what we do, if we wanted to find it right. And, and if you want to know what, like what I'm trying to have all of us do is to carry each other's burdens. I mean, Jesus said, you will know my disciples by what? By their love for one another. And it's our superpower. Our superpower is to bring hope and peace and life and, and goodness into places where there's darkness. 
and to carry the burdens of other people. Just like on that backpacking trip, you know, where a kid that maybe they thought they weren't liked by or whatever, now all of a sudden is carrying their burden. Wouldn't the world change if we do that for one another? So figure out what's going on with your burden, where it is. Maybe you need to give it to God. Maybe you need to help somebody else, or maybe you need to care for your own burden, your own stuff, your own responsibility. Then pray for someone else who's burdened. Pray for someone else. And then when it comes to loss and loneliness and hurts, pray that your loss, loneliness, and hurts would move you to seek Jesus with all your heart and to know that nothing can separate you from God's love. I think that's a big, big thing. You know, sometimes we don't want to go to the place where we actually stare our loss and our loneliness and our hurt into its face because we wonder who's going to rescue us out of that pit. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And God meets you there. Because, you know, when I, when I actually go into the place of grieving and loss and hurting those things, I can actually unload that on Jesus. He can handle it. We can't. And so we unload that on him and we know that his love can never separate. And as you go into that, pray for someone else who's lonely or hurting as well. So let's be a people that carry others' burdens and then also are carried. Because it's the place of pride too that says, well, I can carry burdens, but nobody's going to carry mine. How would you describe such a people that carried burdens and were carried when they needed as well? They would be humble. They would be near to the heart of God and the activity of God. So as you look around this week and you see burdens of others and different things, ask, well, why not me? Why not? I can do this. And as you look at your own burdens, say, why not the people I go to church with? Or if you have somebody close to you, I need, in other words, share your burden with somebody. Share it. Share it. Get in the midst of it. You know, in the midst of, we've done a lot more counseling and working with couples and people and families during this time of pandemic than we ever have in the last couple of decades of pastoring. And it's no different than usually what happens. You know, a lot of times it's pretty bad when you need help, when you've got a burden, when you're hurting, when you're lonely, when you're those things, it's pretty bad. But what I've found is that a lot of people, as you listen, they move past the most important thing that holds us back. And it's, it's the shame. It's like this layer of, of protection that keeps us in this place of hurting and not healing. And the shame is this, is like, this isn't happening with anybody else or no one else is struggling with this or, you know, like those kind of things. And what's great is I can sit there and say, oh yeah, oh, that's nothing. It's big and I'm not limiting what you're saying but, oh, yeah, I've talked to four other people or I've seen, yep, this here. And, well, let me tell you the story. And then I can sh share stories of hope. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Let me tell you what God's going to do. Let me see, tell you what you're going to see. You're going to be okay. And that's the first thing that you can do is like, oh, all right, there's a path forward. 
And so let's be that to those around us and let's find that for ourselves. Thanks for listening this week. If you are looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, go to vkcwest.com. 